You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Saturday, the 21st of July. We are quite late, but with good reason. And no, it's not Vince hosting, so you're probably wondering what the crap that's all about. Unfortunately, Vince has some family illness that he has to take care of, so he's actually going to be taking a little bit of time off. Um... We are showing all of our support for him, of course. If you would like to show your support, send him an email. Send him an email to vince at comicbookinformer.com. Tell him you're thinking about him and that you're hoping that everything gets better soon and that he'll be back soon because we will miss him. In the interim, however, we actually have a sub-chair, somebody who's going to be taking his place for a little while. Sounds remarkably like him. In fact, if actually, if you're a regular listener to any of my podcasts, in fact, any but one, you will recognize her voice because it has become the standard now that if I do a new project, it is not complete or not officially started until I get her to actually record the intro. And that is my daughter, Sarah. So, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very excited about it. This is actually a family that supports comic books animated shows, gaming, and all of that stuff. My opinion has always been that a good story is a good story regardless of what medium it's told in. And with, of course, your mom being an artist as well, too, there was always a deep appreciation of the arts as well, be it in comic book format or animated and stuff. And then you studied visual arts as well. And I think probably you more than any of the other kids, maybe even your younger brother, you still actually have a fondness for comic books you still read them regularly and you still try to keep up as much as you can with everything that's going on i think it's what holds our family together (laughs) the glue that holds (laughs) (laughs) the comic books it's it's what we do every day so there's i i I think it's safe to say that your favorite has probably been spider-man over the years i'm I'm guessing a close second is probably x-men yeah in that order guaranteed uh again x-men a very large group of mutants. I mean, everybody can relate to them. <laughs> yeah, well, this family sure nice. can. Yeah. And then you've actually done quite a bit of reading on the backstories of Spider-Man. We're going to have to be touching on that in future episodes, looking at what's going on now, and you'll be able to relate with a lot of the old stuff that you've read, because you've actually read hundreds of the old Amazing Spider-Mans, haven't you? Yes. Yes, I have. So you've, you're, you're quite knowledgeable in all things spider I like to think so. All right. Even the theme songs. Yeah. All right. So what we're going to do this episode, we are a little bit late, like I said, but uh, again, with good reason. But what we're going to do is we're going to do a recap in our thoughts on uh, the San Diego Comic-Con, of course. There was a lot that happened there. Not everything that was actually worth talking about. So we're going to glance over a lot of the stuff that was there. In typical fashion with a lot of these panels, unfortunately, I know that often the, the panelists are trying to relate with their audience that's there and kind of keep it light and things like that. But all too often, you find that their answers are somewhat glib and short and joking around instead of giving you real answers. And a lot of the Q&As, you get panel or um, audience members who are asking questions and the answers are just like a sarcastic response or a, you know, just a joke but they never actually get back to the question to tell you. And it's unfortunate. Like when we were looking at the, uh, the walking dead panel, 
I found that, unfortunately, there was next to no information given. It's not like you found out any new stuff that's going to be happening in The Walking Dead. And then, of course, because it's The Walking Dead, quote-unquote, IP, they're also talking about the television series as well. So, I mean, they're asking them, like, what were your favorite moments? What kind of things didn't you, you don't want to revisit? And it's, it's not anything of substance that you can actually point to and especially because of the recent issue 100 that they made such a huge deal about which we're going to talk about a little bit after the uh, we're done talking about SDCC Um, they try to not give spoilers which at this point I'm sorry but we are going to be spoiling things for that one if you don't know what happened well too bad stop listening now but Both Vince and I actually talked about the 100 and our thoughts on that issue, and both of us were kind of disappointed. Again, we'll get to that a little later on. And so a a lot of these panels, again, you're really not getting a ton of information, and we're especially going to see that when we talk about the DC stuff, which, dear Lord, they repeated the same things over and over again and barely gave you any new information. But anyways, we're going to skip over that. Before we actually get into the actual quote-unquote comic book news, they had a Firefly panel. It was the 10th anniversary of Firefly. And so they had Whedon, Nathan Fillion. Actually, I'm going to pull up the list here of all the people who were there i got you to read this as well because of course we are a huge huge firefly family fans uh tim manier was there jose 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 molina uh summer glau alan tudik tudik whatever uh sean mayer and adam baldwin so i mean we had a lot of the the cast was there some of the writers and it was really interesting to get a few tidbits of the backstory that we didn't know. Now, this panel had thousands of people in attendance. People lined up the night before so that they could get in there. Now, what makes this awesome is that at three in the morning, Joss Whedon went to the campout line to talk to the fans. Oh, my God. The, the guy's got my respect. I got to say. That would have made it worth it. Right uh, it, there. Jesus, right then and there. That was awesome. The thing is, is that. Again, if you're not a Firefly fan, you don't understand this. You're thinking the show ran for one season. What's the big whoop kind of thing? But if you've watched it, you're a fan. It's that simple. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And if you've watched it once, you have watched it more than once since. We make it a regular routine of watching the season over and over again, as well as the movie Serenity kind of thing. But uh, the fans are loyal, and it was really humbling to see... Whedon, 10 years later, with this kind of cult mentality that people are so enamored with that series still, and thousands of people there. And again, the comment Filio made that, you know, the, the, the series did live on. It still lives on. Some of the interesting bits that they were talking about there, we, we did, I love talking about the Jane hat. I like that Hannah Baldwin was talking about that, and it was the last show filming and he'd gone to the uh, props department and one of the women there was sewing these hats so he took one of them and he talked to one of the the second in command there and asked if he could wear it during the show and the guy was like mm, i don't know and he says well joss isn't on the set i'm wearing it <laughs> that's that and he wore it throughout the show which is awesome 
I think most households have one now. Yeah. You have one. Well, I have one, yeah. Thanks to uh, to Turt Darling. I, I have one, and it is awesome. And then it was interesting to read a little bit more as well about, of course, of course, Nathan Filio, his role that he had on there, and how he wasn't just, you know, looking out for his crew during the filming in terms of the character, but outside of filming as well kind of thing it's it's the it was a really tight-knit group also interesting to hear Whedon talking about some of the things that he would have done differently had he known that the series was only going to go for one and then of course with the movie as well I'm sure Wash was very happy he actually cheered that they would not have killed him off had he known (laughs) that's kind of funny Okay, so moving on from there, we're going to talk about the Eisners, which of course are the equivalent of the Oscars for comic books and who the winners are. Now, much like the Oscars, you're not always going to agree with the people who were chosen. Like when we talked about last year, Vince and I, there were some of them that we did agree with that we thought, yeah, they made the right choice and some that we just point blank did not agree with. And that is the same this year. So this year we're looking at the big winners, of course, being Mark Wade and Arkea Entertainment for Jim Henson's Tale of Sand. Now that is one that I actually have been dying to read. I have not read it yet. I am going to be picking it up and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to reading it. In terms of uh, Mark Wade, of course, we had a ton of Daredevil winning. Now, <laughs> Vince and I talked about this before. We read some of the starting issues and we were not crazy about it. Now that said, however... Because of all this and because it's time, we are going back to that series. And when I say we, I actually mean myself and Sarah now. Next week, we're going to be covering the first 15. From 1 to 15 to Daredevil, we're going to take a fresh look at it and see what all the hubbub at this point is about. Because, I mean, best single issue was Daredevil 7. Best continuing series was Daredevil. And best writer was Mark Wade for he writes both Irredeemable, Incorruptible, and, of course, Daredevil. So that's a lot going to Daredevil right there. And I was really disappointed with what I've seen so far in Daredevil. Yeah. I was surprised. So we... I'm. A lot of these series, too, what happens is that when you read them one at a time, it is hard to appreciate it as much as when you're reading the entirety of a story arc kind of thing. So I'm hoping that by reading those 15 back to back to back, we will, I'm hoping, have more of an appreciation for it. However, that being said, we may still come back with the same opinion, and on Wednesday we'll just be ripping the crap out of it. But that would be something to listen to. It would be fun. Uh, Best limited series, Criminal, The Last of the Innocent, which I know Vince would be very happy to hear, although myself, I wasn't as crazy about it. It's not that I did not like it per se, although eh, borderline kind of thing. So, But Vince really enjoyed it. Best anthology, we're looking at Dark Horse Presents. Best digital publication, Battle Pug. <laughs> we are actually going to be talking in a future episode about that as well, too, because I've actually been reading that for a little while. And then Best Writer Artist, we got Craig Thompson for Habibi. And Best Penciler Inker, Ramon K. Perez for Jim Henson's Tale of Sand, which is fantastic artwork in that. So there were, of course, a lot of other ones, too. You can check them out on the site. We've got them linked there. Now, moving on to... What's going on with Marvel here? We had a variety of panels going on with Marvel. Uh, We we heard a lot from, of course, the chief creative officer, Joe Quesada. And then we also had the head of television, Jeff Loeb, SVP of Creator and Content Development, um, C.B. Smolsky, and editor-in-chief Alex Alonzo and director of communications, Ruin Sun. Now, we, we did hear from Alonzo a lot 
throughout a variety of these panels and, and of course, a lot of other people too. Um, the first one that they, they covered a lot of the movies and what we're expecting in the quote-unquote phase two of its cinematic universe. Yeah, see, Sarah can see me now, so she's going to get used to my Vince air quotes that I actually air quote because <laughs> people are watching. It's important. So there's phase two is coming out and they confirmed Guardians of the Galaxy, of course, which is going to be coming out, which we pretty much knew, with freaking Rocket Raccoon with a monstrous gun. Have you seen that guy's stats? I'm he's going to rock it. No. He's almost He's going to rock it. I need a rim shot. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to watch a movie that has a raccoon with a gun in it. I'm sorry. Unless it's over the hedge. But he didn't have a gun. It was a grapple. No, I... Vince is a huge fan of the concept of Guardians of the Galaxy. Of course, we're going to be hearing more of this as they're working on it. The release date is set for August 1st, 2014. So you've got a wait ahead of you before you see that stupid raccoon. Just... And there is nothing but excitement building. <laughs> okay, then. Also, they teased about Ant- Ant-Man. That's oh. a, st- a movie that, honestly, I have next to no interest. I've had next to no interest in the character, and I really have... No interest in the movie about it either. It's the exact same on this end. I'm okay. very disappointed that it was even put on the table. Yeah. Uh, I rate it with eight-legged freaks. Um, there are uh, there are numerous movies where they, they could turn into something. I have a feeling this one will not be one of them. Well, again, when you're looking, that's just it. Like you're saying, when you're looking at the, the, the depth of Marvel IPs that they could play with to make movies, this there, there are so many cooler things that they can do now one of the interesting things that i picked up during these panels as well which i actually i knew but i hadn't put of course two and two together because they were asking them if there was a possibility of an avengers versus x-men movie and they were saying that they can't because avengers is owned by marvel studios whereas the x-men ip for movies is owned by fox so and they don't necessarily play well together so we're not going to see that but there's still a wealth of other characters that they could really work with and not just Thor, Nancy Pants. Well, not even just heroes. (laughs) I'm waiting for a villain movie. It's coming. A good one. Not Loki. Not freaking Loki, okay? Uh I've had it with Loki. Uh, There is, of course, that next Thor movie that's going to be coming out, The Dark World. We're expecting that on November 8th of 2013. Eh, I really wasn't thrilled about Thor, so... Meh. I don't know. Is that something you're interested in? Not in the least. Not in the least, okay. Unfortunately. And then, of course, you've got Captain America, the next one, and they are going to be working off of the um, some of the stuff that's been going on in the new reboot of the series, of course, and that is going to be the Winter Soldier, and that's coming out on April 4th, 2014 as well. That one I actually am more interested in, and it's, it's very... It's, it's surprising to me just how much I liked Captain America, the movie, the first one, because... I've never been a huge Captain America fan. Now, granted, I haven't, I had not read that much of him before, simply because, again, the Star-Spangled Banner does not have the same appeal to us Canadian folk as it does to our U.S. counterparts. But once you actually start to read the character, you realize that there's a lot of depth there that is superbly interesting to read and i've actually become much more of a fan of the character than i was before and i loved the first movie so i'm really actually quite looking forward to this one but they also built a really good character in the movies i'm very pleased at at what they created in the first one and i think they actually have a lot more they can do well it's 
they, yes, they created that character. They worked with that character in terms of the, the movie character, but it's so much of it is based directly on what we've seen in the comic books, and that has been built over time um, by some absolutely amazing writers who've been working on him. So that's kind of cool. And then we'll touch on again Captain America a little bit later on in terms of what's going on with him in the Ultimates universe, and that's pretty freaking cool again that character when handled properly has so much depth and potential so i'm really looking forward to the winter soldier and then of course they did have to talk about iron man 3 a little bit too and that's going to be coming out as well popular ip and say what you will about stark in the comics which he's never been my favorite in the movies i mean robert downey jr does a fantastic job and he's fun to watch as he was of course in the avengers okay so let's move on then to avengers versus x-men because of course that is the biggest thing right now with um, with Marvel. They, and they want to say it, of course, outright, but they saw the success of DC's reboot and they saw the vast amounts of money and sales that they made of those starting issues. And yes, it's kind of plateaued and perhaps even dropped down somewhat. Well, no, perhaps it has. But they still made a crap load of money initially on that reboot. And so now these guys are looking at that. Of course, though, they're stressing this is not a reboot. Um, and I like how uh, Alonzo says, this all takes place in the Marvel Universe that you guys are invested in financially and emotionally. A little jab there at DC because of the cutoff that DC made with their things now. So they're saying that AVX, of course, is going to end with a bang. It's going to be very controversial, Alonzo says. Um, and he also says, a lot of you will be very pissed at us. A lot of you will be clapping, he said, mentioning one team will deal with the question of new leadership. Now, that, there's kind of some hinting that they did a little bit later on as well with Cyclops and what's going to be happening. They're not letting anything out of the bag, of course. Cyclops has pretty much gone off the deep end in AVX. So some of the stuff that's been happening with him, I've just kind of... Again, I'm having a hard time getting behind AVX. Much like Vince, some of the spinoffs have been far more interesting than the actual series. So... I'm, I'm just not as heavily invested in this. However, I'm feeling like I now have to read these to be brought up to speed because there's going to be so much of this, so much of the canon going forward that, I mean, you're going to have to know what happened because otherwise you will be completely lost. No, I've also found that. And it has been interesting to follow and I've read pieces here and there. But again, my highlight of the entire AVX would be the baby's front cover that is just i mean for yes. me that was it that it topped right there i do not expect anything good anything better basically yes, yes. exactly it cannot it can't plateau any higher than that is what it boils down to i'll actually put the link to that if you haven't seen it the cover for the avx babies that's going to be coming out that's coming out if i'm not mistaken in october it's going to be a one-shot kind of thing so it's going to be interesting to to read that because basically that's what avx has been a bunch of babies whining and crying and i know they're trying to make it oh so dramatic and yet it comes off as just completely ridiculous um of course what's going to be happening as we discussed vince and i before too is that it's it's all leading to marvel now not marvel now marvel now <laughs> caps and there's a lot that's going to be happening a lot of changes 
with that. And of course, they talked about some of those changes, some of the new series that are going to be um, coming out, like the new Uncanny Avengers, which once again, seriously, Marvel, come up with new names for your series. We've heard Uncanny too many times. Use something different. It won't kill you. Uh, that one's going to be handled by Rick Reminder and John Cassidy. I've got a huge amount of respect for what Reminder's been doing. So I actually, despite the lack of interest in what's been going on and my lack of interest in this reboot. No, no sorry, not reboot. Um, I'm actually looking forward to reading what he can do with this. He's got a great grasp of character interactions, how people play off of each other. So I'm really looking forward to what he's going to bring to the table with this group that's going to be equally comprised of X-Men and Avengers and see how they blend together and the interactions therein, especially considering how much emotional turmoil we're going to get between all of the characters from now till the end of uh, AVX. And then, of course, all of the Avengers, or sorry, all of the Marvel Now uh, issues are going to come with digital codes and we'll have augmented reality aspects through the new Marvel AR. So that's kind of cool too, because again, we're, we've been pushing a lot more for more digital, cheaper digital. When they're including a code in with an issue, it's still encouraging people to go to their retail shop to support their retail shops, but they're still getting a then free copy that they can read on their tablets or computers. So that's, again, I love it when they're doing that kind of stuff. And the new AR stuff is actually cool because they're putting new technology in there to make it more interactive as you're reading as well. So one of the interesting Q&A things when they were talking as well, also uh, was talking about the Prelude to Schism. And I, I, I love this because, see, this is why it's so hard to take some of the things that they're doing seriously, some of the things that they plan seriously, because then you look back at things that came before, like the prelude to schism, and quote-unquote, Lonzo says, perhaps we promised something more than what was delivered. We will be prudent, quote-unquote, how they label things in the future. A lot of changes uh, are also going to be coming for Wolverine, and of course because Wolverine is both in the X-Men, although kind of quit from that and although he still says he's always going to be an x-men but of course also in the avengers and the neon canny x-forts there's a lot going on with that character so if you're a fan of him we did find out that uh, there's a lot of fallout that's going to be coming especially with the kids at the school and that's something that we've been seeing as well as the i've been finding that as has vince a lot more interesting in term, terms of the avx has been the Wolverine's Peeps series has been fantastic because we're getting great stories here where the kids are in turmoil. He's in turmoil in terms of how to handle different things and whatnot. So it's kind of interesting. And I'm, I am looking forward to following that series as it continues to see after AVX. What's it going to mean to the school? Because, I mean, some of the big characters, such as Iceman, has left because it, he goes where he's needed. He felt he was needed with the X-Men. Well, is he going to be going back afterwards? How, how are they going to proceed with that? I'm, I'm very excited to see the dynamics and what's going to happen. I'm glad that the story has been shifting and changing. And I am excited to see who's going to be stepping up, who perhaps is going to be sort of falling more behind. Yeah, because some of those kids are really stepping up to the plate. So we're having, we're having situations wherein potential future A-list characters are having their character development now. 
in his series. And to me, that's important. I mean, some of these kids in a few years can be the characters that then progress to a full-blown X-Men spot kind of thing, or somewhere else, perhaps even in the Avengers or whatever. And most of those kids in there, or, you know, they're not all kids, teenagers and whatnot, um, are have the potential to have very, very strong character stories and be very interesting to read moving forward. So when you're looking at something like this that is a powerful event, regardless of how ridiculous we think it is kind of thing, it has the potential to really shape them as well moving forward. So again, that's one of the few series moving forward that I am really looking forward to seeing how it's going to progress. Uh, more on the Marvel front too, it was interesting to hear them talking about Resurrection in comics, they had a, a comic fan who was dressed as a Deadpool-Magneto hybrid, which kills me. And Alonzo was saying, I think Resurrection is one of the most exciting things about comic books, and we should embrace it. It's about selling that moment. And that He couldn't have said that better. And I would have said selling out that moment. And he says, if you told me Jonathan Hickman and Steve Epting got the response to the death of the human torch that he did, I'm not at all ashamed of death and resurrection, and it's one of the things that makes us unique. See, this is one of the things that we've talked about a lot on the show, too, because unfortunately yes resurrections make for awesome issues when handled properly i mean when when storm that issue when storm came back oh yeah it, it was a phenomenal issue but it's a double-bladed sword because what happens is that you know going forward anybody who dies the potential is there for them to retcon that character back in whenever they want. I mean, you've got Dan Slott, Spider-Man writer, saying again and again he does not want to bring Gwen Stacy back. But you have fans, you have other writers who would love to bring her back. And so it's only a matter of time because they're hinting potentially that Slott may stop at the 600 for Spider-Man. Uh, the, the potential is there for somebody else to decide, oh, well, we're going to bring her back. And to me, that is, again, that double-edged sword because it's so hard to get emotionally invested in these characters and the deaths to care that so-and-so died to care about it because you know that in a matter of weeks, months, whatever, the character may very well come back. And we we have to look no further than Jean Grey here that they're retconning back in. Yes, in a very interesting and unique way, but, I mean, it's all just space magic with tele with uh, with time travel and they're bringing back this most beloved character not as the phoenix not as any of the dark things but as the young marvel girl and they're bringing her back so and i mean when you're talking about time travel you are opening up a can of worms like nothing else and at that point it's even harder to care about and get emotionally invested about anything that's going on simply because any of it can be changed at any point and I've been very disappointed with it. I have a hard time thinking anybody is actually going to die at any point because that character is just sitting on a bench waiting to be rotated back in. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, it's it's not to speak ill of what they're going to be doing with bringing back the classic X-Men team. I am looking forward to seeing how they're going to deal with that. However, in opening up that time travel portal and doing this... They're saying it's going to be actual canon. They're saying this is all part of the continuity. But how can it be the characters from there then are now 
here. They can't be in both. So they disappeared from that. At what point do they go back? They can they can play with the concepts of time travel so much and the continuity that, again, they can say, well, we're just, you know, in two years when we decide they need to go back, we're just going to send them back to the same time so it would be like they never left. There, there's so much that you will find it harder to get emotionally invested in the characters because of this. Very true. Although I believe it was Alonzo that had promised that in the ultimate line, dead is dead. Yeah, they have said that, but I mean... We don't have to look at any further than what's going on with Spider-Men right now, where they just shove in Parker from a different parallel universe, the, 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 the real Earth kind of thing, our real perceived Marvel Earth, where he's in there now. So, And they're saying, too, that that portal is now open. They don't want to abuse it so that it becomes a, you know, just a cliched trope, but that's kind of what it's going to become, let's be honest here. But, um... But yeah, it's it's one of those where, again, it's hard to get invested in that. I mean, in the Marvel, the Ultimates universe, Parker is dead. He's not there, but he's there for this. So you have that same thing where, no, he's not gone from that. And I think that, unfortunately, unfortunately what happens with the writers and the editors is, yes, they have these phenomenal ideas. And I'm not, it's, again, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite, but I've been really enjoying Spider-Man. It's been fantastic. But again, you're paying the price of then the the reader not being able to get as emotionally invested in the characters because they know that the writer may come up with this, how about a mysterious portal <laughs> that brings Parker back? Well, Damn. You know, he was dead. I'd just gotten over it, you know, finally stopped seeing my psychologist about this, <laughs> and you just brought him back. So so when they're talking about this kind of thing, too, and how they think it's great that they have resurrections, I wish that, you know, for some of them, like, of course, the, the Ultimates, where they said dead is it, I kind of wish they had left it at that, and they'd actually stuck to their guns. Very true. Okay. Uh, we also had, of course, the Cup of Joe panel uh, with the chief creative officer where he was talking about a variety of things as well. Of what's going to be happening, what we can look forward to. Um, there's going to be a, uh, a bunch of the new number ones that they're going to be um, putting out as well. So we're going to be seeing a lot of... We're going to be seeing some more of Nick Fury Jr. that they're going to be working on. We're... Um, Diamond Head, they were talking about as well, too. And he said, Google it. Did you actually Google it? I did not. I didn't. I feel bad now. I See, Vince would know. If Vince were here, you know what? I'm going to hear about this because he's going to listen to this. I know he's going <laughs> to listen to this and he's going to go hands in the air. Oh, I can't believe he didn't Google it. Oh, I didn't. Sorry, Vince. But um, so there's a bunch of different things. He also was talking about the digital codes for downloads that we're going to get with those new number ones and, and whatnot. And again, it's they're saying it's not a reboot, but once again, we're going to be dropped down to number one so that the collectors are going to want to fork out a bunch of extra money so that they can have those number ones, which, again, it's a marketing ploy, nothing more than that. And we saw that with the Uncanny X-Men and everything else. I'm not a fond of it, but at this point, there's no sense doing any arguing about it. I wish they could just get those sales on the actual content. I wish that they were so proud and strong in their yeah. beliefs that this is the one. This is going to sell because it's a great comic instead of just saying, well, we could always make it number one. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's issue 547. 
it's yeah. going to be the one that you want in your collection because it's going to be that awesome. And no, I agree. It's a fantastic point. And unfortunately, no, it's all about trying to get as many number ones or number zeros in the case of DC, which we'll get into in a little bit, just so that they can make more sales. There is no zero. There apparently one there is. is. The, the first, the first, number one, you start with one. Zero means there, there's nothing there. It's going to be an empty rack, it's a gonna big be empty rack. Empty, empty comic book. You open it up and it's just blank. <laughs> <laughs> so draw in your own origin story for Batman. <laughs> you know, I would buy that. I think I would. If I saw that, I would have to. Yeah. Uh, what else? It was funny when they had some questions that came up during that panel, of course, as well, where uh, they found out that a lot of fans are really not that fond of Cyclops. I actually kind of laughed when I was reading that because <laughs> it was like, have you not listened to our podcast? Okay. <laughs> Marvel peeps, listen to our freaking podcast. We've been saying this for years now. Okay. And, uh, and so, yeah, they're, they're wondering what's going to be happening with them at the end of the AVX thing, whether he's still going to be a around be leading the X-Men and how much involvement he's going to have. And I think we are at a point and it's obvious that the fans are of the same opinion, we need new leadership for the X-Men at this point. Now, I'm not saying that should be Wolverine because I've never seen Wolverine in a leadership capacity. I think he's been doing great with the school in terms of it being an interesting series, but he personally hasn't been doing great with the school. Look at what's been happening in the short time that he's taken over the school. Things have not gone well for him. Um, I like the change in the character. He's matured kind of thing, for lack of a better term, of course. And but I still don't think that he is the best one to be leading the X-Men. But I think that there are more options in the teams that they, they could pick someone to finally replace Cyclops like they replaced um, Professor Xavier and they replaced Storm because she led for a little while. I thought that Storm was a far stronger character back when she led, especially after she lost her power and she still was tough enough character and a strong enough female character to lead them lead them well kind of thing so I, I i think that yeah i'm really hoping that once the dust settles we get someone new leading the x-men that would be the same for me i'm very excited to see what changes will happen and i really hope they do yeah i'm hoping they don't pass this by okay um so yeah once again talking about the um breach into the regular Marvel universe with the ultimate characters, um, or the regular characters, I should say, going into the ultimate universe. And Alonso was saying it took a lot of convincing for us to do that. Um, he said, adding that the hole between universes is still there, so who knows what will happen. It had never happened before, so it was special. If you pick at that too much, it becomes white noise, and it's not special anymore. But who knows, Cassata said. Again, it... <sighs> It's, it's such a catch-22 because I want to stick to my guns and say, <clears throat> stop it. But then I'll be talking about X or Spider-Man later. And <sighs> God damn it, it's so good. So uh, <laughs> it's, again, it's such a catch-22. But I, I really hope that they don't abuse it. And we're getting a little bit of abuse with the time travel as well, which is essentially the same thing, bringing back the classic X-Men team. Uh, a female X-23 fan, which X-23 fans universally are awesome, wanted to know if there were going to be more solo female comics coming out, because again, X-23 is getting cancelled, there are not as many strong 
female titled characters coming out and of course Alonzo pl- plugged in that Captain Marvel is coming out and that there's uh, a plan for an X book on the horizon that will make you very happy he said so I don't know what that means maybe a group of X women characters in their own series I don't, I don't know uh, unfortunately sometimes when you have strong female characters they get overwhelmed by the masses of testosterone and skimpy outfits and uh so no it'd be nice and having read some of what's going on with captain marvel right now she was in uh avenging spider-man with uh spider-man of course just recently and i thought it was fantastic very fun issue of course the freaky chick that they're trying to save was hysterical i loved her when when spider-man becomes the voice of reason and sanity <laughs> because the person they're trying to help is bad shit crazy damn i'm gonna have to bleep that out uh, i i just thought it was fantastic so i'm actually looking forward to reading captain marvel and hoping that we're going to get a lot more you know um tie-ins with spider-man because of their relationship so that'll be kind of cool it's one of the few mix-ups that I've actually enjoyed. I have a hard time incorporating different heroes together. I really enjoy seeing... But Spider-Man works well with other people. He's one of the few. It's very true, but I think it's also because he's so witty. I yeah. think it's the wit. Well, it depends on who writes them, uh, writes him, I should say. And it also depends on who he is teamed up with. But it's true. That's why Vince and I were so excited for Avenging Spider-Man, because the entire concept of the series is it's constantly team-ups between him and various people. And then you really get to see who those various people which ones are the really good ones for him to team up with? I mean, I never would have thought a team up with Red Hulk would be awesome. But damn, was it ever good. And then this team up with Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel, fantastic stuff. Team up with Hawkeye? Oh, dear Lord. He should have just spider webbed him to the wall and just said, shut up for the entire issue because it was that bad. You mean he didn't? No, he didn't. He wanted to. I know. I read between the lines. <laughs> he wanted to. Um, next big thing panel, we had editor-in-chief, once again, Alonzo, editors, uh, Sena Hamanat, Janine Schaefer, talent scout, C.B. Sabolsky, Marjorie Liu, Daniel Way, Neil Adams, James Asmus, Peter David, and Joe Keatons were there. And so they talked about the Gambit series that's going to be starting, which I know Vince is going to absolutely hate. James Asmus is going to be writing that. I think the potential is there if they try to stay away from quote-unquote drama, if they don't make it just about him being a womanizer, if they stay away from a whole bunch of cliches because they said they're going to try to bring it back to his essentially thieving roots, you know, just being that low-level, street-level thief kind of thing. I think that there's potential there to really have a lot of fun with the character as long as they don't dwell into drama and as we've been talking about off air earlier too some of these things that they're talking we're inserting more drama here it's like but we don't want drama we sure as hell don't want melodrama don't give it to us just give us good stories and good fights I want good <laughs> fights. I want some snot being kicked out of some villains. That's all I'm looking for when I pick up a comic book. Or out of each other. Yes. There no, I am all for that as well. And I believe there's actually, uh, they were hinting at some of that coming up. So Some 
Punisher Avenger. Oh yeah, we're gonna get into the Punisher. Actually, we may as well talk about it now. I can't remember which uh, they they talked about it in a couple of panels. It was revealed in the Amazing Spider-Man panel, which we're gonna cover next. So we'll wait a little bit for the Punisher Punisher stuff because I'm actually fairly excited for that as well too. Um, they talked about Thanos, Son of Titan, which debuts in October. Again, Vince is gonna love that. He's a big Thanos fan. I really don't care as much about the Galactic Line, so I don't care. I don't know about you. I feel like I'm not holding up Vince's end here. I'm just, I'm really not. Maybe it's because we grew up together, Raj. But, this is uh, awesome. This is I'm, just absolutely awesome because I finally have a co-host that agrees with me on everything. I feel like I'm going to have to start putting up a fight on things that I'm <laughs> completing. I'm just going to have to start outright saying no with no reason. Okay. Something else that they're talking about too, and... This looks interesting. It's not that we don't have enough X-Men titles, because dear Lord, do we ever, but we're getting first X-Men. And this is going to be before X-Men number one. So Neil Adams said that he wondered what happened before X-Men number one, how mutants lived, um, who protected them and, and things like that. And he was saying, quote unquote, it would have to be an old guy, somebody like... Logan. So there's going to be a five-issue mini which will explore Logan's secret ties to the X-Men and will feature, quote-unquote, a new X-Men from the past. I'm actually kind of excited for this. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with it. I'm interested, but I'm also, I'm, I'm really getting ready to be disappointed. I feel as though they're going to take the characters and they're not going to backtrack and bring them back to what they were before. I feel like they're going to take a current version yeah, yes and no. See, that's the thing too, which we don't know looking at this. See, the, the problem is is that we there are so many X titles and then so many concurrent storylines that are running. And when you're reading X titles, especially when there isn't a massive event going on, the likes of which we're seeing right now, you'll read X, various X titles, and they've all got different crap going on. And yet it's all going on at the same time, theoretically. And so it's hard to get invested in, again, the team, unless you're just following one or two series kind of things. So when you're looking at yet another one, it's going to be hard to, to you know, again, get invested. However, because of the theme here where it is basically a backflash to what happened during that time, it is going to be very easy for the writer to just provide us with a fantastic five-part story that is not worrying about the current state of what Wolverine is. That's not worrying about whether he's on the X-Men or the Avengers side. That, that, that entire drama does not have to be a part of this. The only thing is, is we don't know if it will. But because they didn't even kind of hint at that, I'm thinking that maybe they will look at this as just uh, the means of writing a fantastic retro story, but told by today's standards kind of thing. And that's what kind of has me excited. And I agree with you. I agree that the potential for disaster is is really, it's right there. I can see it, and uh, I kind of shift my eyes a little bit, hoping <laughs> it's not true. But the potential for greatness as well is most definitely there as well. Very true. I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. But yeah. I have to say, I, I don't know if the glass is half full. Well, no, no, and I agree. They said, too, of course, the series is going to shed new light on the relationship between Logan and Sabretooth. And so he even went so far as to say, Alonzo, that after reading this, you'll say, I get it now. I don't know about that. I mean, Jesus, we've seen 
Wolverine and Sabretooth stories in a ton of different things. And I understand that that relationship is important in that timeline because it is so, um, so long ago kind of thing. And it happened at that time. It was something that was important. However, I think I would have been happier to just leave Sabretooth completely out of this. Give us a new quote-unquote villain in that time. Someone new that we can hate. Um, you can The potential is even there to create someone in that time. Make him so unbelievably awesome in those five issues. And then find a way that he was freaking frozen in carbonite kind of thing. Or <laughs> nice, Alice Captain uh, America. Or something that he only just comes back now in our timeline now. Or becomes someone important now. And boom, you've got yourself a new villain that you can actually care about now and, and are invested in. So, moving on from there, we, of course, had the amazing Spider-Man panel. I've, of course, been so blown away by Slot's work on recent Spider-Man, which, I mean, we talk about him damn near every week, Vince and I. Absolutely love what uh, they're doing here. The panel, uh, Director of Communications Aaron Sin was there again, introducing Captain Marvel, because that's tying in with Spider-Man quite a bit. Uh, writer Kelly Sue De De DeConnick was there and uh, was talking about, quote-unquote, Space Punisher with uh, Frank Terry, Thierry. Um, writer for Venom, Cullen Bunn, and Amazing Spider-Man artist uh, Humberto Ramos, who I love. And then they actually called up Dan Slott in his uh, in New York so that he can participate in the panel as well. One of the big things that they were talking about as well, of course, is the new sidekick Alpha that's going to be coming out, which has got people excited for those storylines and what it's going to represent. And, of course, the current storyline with the Lizard as well has been going on. Did you actually get a chance to read those? No, I haven't. Okay, so that's been going on. I'll, I'll actually let you read mine. The um, the lizard stuff has been interesting. He's not trying to do it to coincide with the movie. It's just a great storyline. What's been happening in the storyline is interesting. Again, like I said last week, I don't think it's as strong as some of the stuff we've seen recently from Slot, but he has the habit, too, of ramping things up to the point of the excitement is built up so much that you really cannot wait for what's going on and of course i said 600 i actually meant 700 earlier they are hinting that he might actually be done with spider-man at 700 and if that's the case i think that there will probably be a lynch mob with handcuffs and various devices to strap him to a spider-man chair you're writing this whether you want to or not kind of thing it's possible because i think that there would be a lot of disappointed fans if he leaves I think I'd be in that crowd. I think that I would be cheering remotely. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> you go, guys! <laughs> Don't forget to tape his ankles down, too. <laughs> um, but what they're saying is that, quote-unquote, we cannot confirm nor deny what Dan's doing. Um, I just wish they would have point-blank said, no, of course he's not leaving. We're not letting him write anything else. So, um, I mean, it's you got to respect that the writer has to be given the opportunity to go beyond these characters and to write something different, of course. I mean, he's done such a great job with Spider-Man that to punish him for that by not allowing him to write other characters is really not fair to him. He's, he's, he's proven he can write it. I As disappointed as I would be if he left, I'd be really then interested to read who else he would take. 
I mean, I can I can only imagine the X Men in Slot's hands, because you do have character interactions between um, Beast and Iceman and Wolverine, of course. That the potential for those smartass remarks, those the the crazy insane story arcs like just look at spider island look at what happened with dr octopus recently now picture that oh and with umberto ramos's art doing an x-men crazy ass story i'd be all over that all over that like a hobo on a hand sandwich i would be all over that that would be awesome and um and this is where they tease about the marvel story as well you want to tackle this one Hmm? i said do you want to tackle this one Tell us about no. it. Yes, I'm you do. Good. No, no, no go ahead. No, Tell no. us about it. About which? You didn't prep for this. I had two days. <laughs> <laughs> I've had 30 years of comics to get down in two days. Right. They're talking about what's going to be going on with the Spider or the uh, Punisher in Space storyline, but they were talking about what's going to be going on with the Punisher and the Avengers right now as well, too, because basically something's going to happen to make it so that the Avengers really take notice and not just take notice, but decide whether or not something has to be done about the Punisher. Now, if you are a fan of what's been going on in the regular storyline right now with Punisher, which actually, Vince and I have said, it's been actually very good. We've been enjoying that. If you read Punisher versus Marvel Universe by Jonathan Mayberry, which was absolutely fantastic. And they mentioned here too, Punisher has consistent contingency plans against everybody. Thor's coming after him. He probably has a plan, though they did say that that's probably going to be one of the biggest problems that he has is with Thor. But he's got plans against, you know, Iron Man. He's got plans against other ones. He's also going to have problems, as they said again, with Captain America because he idolizes Captain America. That's something that we saw in the Civil War, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. So it's going to be very interesting to see what this is going to do because it's going to essentially be again the punisher versus marvel universe except it's not that he's going to take everybody out but it's going to be him against them very much and in actual canon whereas the marvel obviously versus marvel universe aren't actual canon this will be so it's going to be very cool to see what happens in this little story art that they're planning and this is something i Again, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I am not a huge fan of the Punisher. I know I'll get booed for that. I'm not a huge fan of the Avengers. Now, I'll probably get booed for that too. Let's be clear here, though. When I say that I, Vince and I have been a fan of what's been going on in the Punisher series, it's not because we're fans of Punisher, but because the writing has been so good and the story arcs so good. Once again, Punisher versus the Marvel Universe, it's not that you're cheering for Frank Castle per se. It's that it was just written so bloody brilliantly that you enjoyed the story. So in much the same way, that's what I'm looking forward to here. And if anybody can just slap Tony Stark upside the head somehow... Oh, I'm cheering. That's it's worth it. I'll buy them all. <laughs> I think it'll happen, and I'm very excited. They make this sound like it's going to be gritty, and I mean, well, they've that's... got such high expectations, and now I'm worried because my expectations are high. I want this to be good. 
I think it will be. I think it will be just in terms of just a fun romp kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just a, again, you're talking, you want action. Well, this sounds like it's going to be just that. And again, it's one of those things where they said, it's not like Punisher's just going to sit around and wait for the entirety of the Avengers team to come knocking on his door. He's going to take them off one at a time as they come or whatever kind of thing. There's going to be a lot of strategic planning. That kind of thing is fun. It's fun to read. And so, again, that's going to be what keeps you coming back to the series. Like, okay, who's he taking out next week? Or who's going to be slapping him around next week? And Because we know, too, that it's not like he's just going to take them all out. They've made that very clear. There's going to be just this battling back and forth. And unlike the Avengers versus X-Men crap that's just been the premise stupid this actually sounds solid i'm i'm very much looking forward to this the reasoning everything seems like it's very well set up and i am very excited to see what happens with thor i won't lie this will probably be the only time i pick up something with thor and i'm actually excited to open it i want to see thor somehow getting slapped something's gotta happen i i don't care what it is and then it's got to be very well drawn in a two-page spread so that I can crop that as a wallpaper <laughs> you, <laughs> for my you computer. Somebody in the background making the noise. Yeah. Right, right in time. <laughs> yeah. So you can slap open the page and it's right there. There. All right. Let's move on to the Ultimates panel as well because we had uh, Chief again, Alex Alonzo there, writer Sam Humphreys was there, series editor Santa Hamanet. Uh, they were joined by director of communications Aaron Sin, writer Nathan Edmondson, and the Ultimate Comics artist, uh, Spider-Man comic artist David Marquez. So what I pulled out of this, because of course they're talking about the Ultimates, the new Ultimate Spider-Man, and they're talking about what's going on with the characters right now. And Captain America has been pretty much missing in action since the death of Spider-Man, of course, being Peter Parker. He felt very responsible. Now, with everything that's been going on, however, in the Ultimate X-Men lineup, which has been nuts. I mean, we're talking crazy stuff happening with the Sentinels series like cities being demolished X-Men being or not just X-Men mutants being hunted humans dying and droves Captain America has to come back take a leadership role try to figure out what they're going to be doing to fix this and of course Sin was saying like the big three of the Ultimates universe now are going to be Kitty Pride, who is taking the leadership role for the Ultimates universe um x-men which is very good i've been enjoying her leadership there miles morales of course being the new spider-man and steve rogers so it's it's a non-traditional take on the marvel universe and because of that and because of how it's been progressing with uh, especially the X-Men team with, again, Kitty and Wolverine Jr. And then you've got Bobby Drake and Rogue. The the, the new dynamics in those X-Men has been interesting. The new Spider-Man, um, you know what? Ben has been doing such a great job with Miles. It's been absolutely fantastic. And so now what we're going to see with Cap coming back too, I'm really looking forward to what we're going to be seeing going forward in the Ultimates universe. You got nothing to say. They can't see you nod. Well, I was not. <laughs> okay. Just so we're clear about this. I Again, I've been really happy with this. I was really glad at the turns it took. I'm really, I'm really excited about Kitty Pride. 
Again, yeah. she's a character that I've really enjoyed, and I think that she fits really well. Yeah, being the lead in this one. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. It's it's something that it's stepping up to the plate and doing a damn good job of it. Um, and we are going to be getting an Ultimate Comics Iron Man. It's going to be a four-issue series, and it's going to be written by Edmondson with art by Matteo Bufagni. Um, that's going to be interesting because it's going to be cool to see what they do with it. And if I'm certain if there are enough sales, we may very well see yet another Ultimate Comics series come out with Iron Man. Might be interesting. I, I I know that uh, like Vince has been seriously digging some of the Iron Man stuff that's been going on in the regular regular Marvel U. So this, if done properly, could be fun to read as well. But once again, like much like what's going on in you know say with the movies, there's such a wealth of characters that they could do something with in the Ultimates universe, and I think that I think that they're missing opportunities because of that. I think that. People are really digging that Ultimates universe right now because of the reboots of these series, and they're really getting attached to Miles Morales. I do, do, I'm so attached to that kid. I love that kid. I love what's going on. I think that now's a good time. Play on that. Give us some ult, some other Ultimate series. Like they asked about whether or not there'd be another Fantastic Four in the Ultimates, and they said that that's not something that's in the cards right now. But they're going to keep Sue in the Ultimates. But I mean. It doesn't have to be those standard guys. You can pick other characters in the Marvel Universe and just give them an Ultimate Series. G give them a six-issue series. See how it goes. If the fans react to it positively, slap that in the canon for the Ultimates Universe. And if it does well and people love it, run with it. Do another one. I mean, again, you can take these characters and if kill them off if you want. There's not enough you know, support or whatever. Kill him off, leave it as part of the canon, and go from there. I um, I think there's a lot of missed opportunities in the Ultimates universe right now. I think there are, but at the same time, I I don't I don't want them to ruin the Ultimate universe for me. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of those that they they can wipe the slate clean at any point and start from scratch. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, but it's also one we're in, and, and we're seeing that kind of with the Ultimate X Men where. They can. They have the opportunity to bring in brand new characters, make you care about them, and then run with them. So it doesn't matter if Wolverine died in the Ultimates universe because there's a Wolverine Junior. Which I mean, yeah, they could have gone with something a little bit different, but they're they're trying to make sure that people understand the concepts of new characters, caring about them, and blah blah blah. But so you know, bring in new characters that people can really immediately get hooked to, integrate them into these other series, so that people see them and appreciate them, and then just run with it. So, so moving past now, Marvel. Let's look at DC, and and whereas. The Marvel conversation was quite long. The DC one probably won't be quite as long. And that's because a lot of the stuff that's been going on with DC and Vince and I are in agreement with it. We're just not digging it nearly as much. The huge reboot, in our opinion, was not nearly the event that they'd hoped for. Um, yes, they're saying it was in terms of sales and everything like that, but... In terms of a fan looking at it, it's hard to get invested. It still feels like they have not properly defined the characters 
and that's something that was heard from fans as well to the point where again the entire concept of these upcoming issue zeros you should not need that at this point we should not need origin stories for characters that have been around now since that reboot we should already know all of those origin stories we should have we should be emotionally attached by this point to those characters and unfortunately just not but they talked it up so well just reading and listening and hearing what they had to say about it made me interested again although i'm sure i'll pick up another comic book and be disappointed however the ideas the everything they're putting behind it just sounds like it has such potential some of them do i i I won't lie some of them do some of them are quite interesting when i personally I think that the only real shining light in the entire DC panels, all of the panels, for me personally, was just the talking about Talon. The starting of Talon, which is, of course, from the the Batman series and um, with the Court of Owls thing, when you're hearing about the character and how he kind of strayed away from becoming the uh, an assassin for them and how they're saying it's going to essentially be a Da Vinci Code in Gotham, which is awesome. I'm sorry, but say what you will about, you know, Da Vinci Code and whatnot. The concept of there being this character that is going to be essentially the same kind of thing as... Batman, that detective kind of figuring out mysteries, figuring out what's going on behind this with that that deep history in Gotham. So it's not just Batman that has this deep history in Gotham, but Talon as well. I'm so jazzed about that. It's unbelievable. I'm with you there. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, Uh, And then, of course, we're talking about the Justice League and what's happening. We're going to be getting Shazam going in there, which, eh, whatever. Um, They did say that they are going to finally be adding the Martian Manhunter because a lot of the fans were quite disappointed that he still had not worked his way into the Justice League because he is one of the important Justice League characters. Uh, what else? We, uh, I love how a reader described the last year of the new 52 to be incredibly frustrating, quote unquote. I'm not, I didn't, incredibly frustrating, (laughs) saying she missed the history of the DC universe and the connection of that history. Now, John's replied, I agree with you on a certain level and mentioning that rebuilding that quote unquote tapestry is something all the writers are working on and there will be a depth of changes. Once again, though, it's it's the fan said later on that the reality is that not everybody is happy with what's going on. And again, looking at how long they've had to build those characters since the reboot, we should be emotionally invested in them all. But we're not for most of them at all at all. No, I can't believe it's been a year. Well, not quite a year, but damn near. I mean, so now for the new wave, the new new wave that's going to be coming out, we're looking at Talon, Phantom Stranger, Sword and Sorcery and Team 7. Again, as Vince and I said too, really, Talon is the only one that is really sticking out. Uh, again, quote, they were saying uh, it's going to delve into a little more of Gotham's history, not just Gotham, the dark secret history of the world. And we want to build this character so he can last for years, not just a few storylines. I also really like that James Tinian is the one that really made the push 
for Talon. And here's a brand new writer for them. And that's what we've been talking that we need. We need new blood on there so that it's not always the same ideas, the same characters and things like that, the same tropes being used. So here's a guy that he was saying last year, he was in the crowd in the Comic-Con. This year, he's on the panel. I think that's awesome. It's the kind of new blood that we seriously need. And then, of course, they were talking about Phantom Stranger, which, oh, God, and here's the perfect, you know, opposite to that old idea that has not been as successful. Let's just bring it back. No, don't do it. They talked about the sword and sorcery again. You got your fantasy style kind of stuff, which, seriously, I'm not excited for. I I don't know. Their 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 thing comparison was like it's like Game of Thrones meets the Hunger Games. You lost every me. teenager. Every teenager is going to be going wild at that description until they realize what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I you know what? They might surprise me. They might surprise me and it'll be phenomenal if it's well written. Hey, I'll roll with it. It's not that I have anything against Tolkien-esque based stories kind of thing. I, I quite like them if they're well written. So let's let's see what comes out of this and, and, and go from there, I guess. Well, I guess one of us will be happy because on the opposite end, as long as it's well drawn. <laughs> that's all you I, care about? <laughs> I can, I will purchase comic books based on nothing but the cover artwork. I mean, I, I really enjoy having great visuals so i do i love writing i love everything involved in it but maybe if it's just really well illustrated then i could you know i, I could read a couple we'll see and if it's fantasy based okay and they're trying to stay at least somewhat kind of accurate how about a lot more clothing on the female heroines and stuff in there if there's a lot less ass crack showing for the female characters all right, there you go. Maybe I'll buy it. <laughs> I don't know. There's I don't no know excuse. what population they'll lose while doing that. I mean, that's a big gamble for them. There's no reason for it. In a, <laughs> in a, in a Tolkien-esque based kind of fantasy, there's... No, put some clothes on. So there you go. Uh, they also, we had a panel where they talked more about uh, what's going on in Green Lantern right now. They had uh, Jeff Johns was there, the Batman writer, Scott Snyder, whom we love. Um, Rob Liefeld, whom we're not as crazy <laughs> about. Uh, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, uh, Scott Lobdell, uh, Brian Brucellato, Brucellato, Brucellato. Anyways, uh, and so they were talking about uh, a variety of these. They they were talking about the, the Guardians as well and um, what's going to be going on with the Lanterns and things like that. There's a fairly big story arc. Um, they're, they're creating a third army to get rid of free will kind of thing. There's It sounds like finally we might be getting some real Green Lantern stuff that we can get behind because quite honestly, Vince and I have been finding it very difficult to get behind anything that's going on in Lantern's universe right now. Uh, and then they were also, of course, Snyder was talking about how excited he is about the Talon book as well, going back to Talon and the, the Court of, of Owls. And uh, it was nice to hear again him say that it's one of those things that he, he was finding it very hard to get behind and that it was James Tinian who really pitched it and and they're going forward now because of that. I, I, I can't say enough about that. Uh, other than that, pfft, 
not that much. We're looking at Superman panel. What's going on with Superman? I mean, what are they going to say? I mean, he's fighting to stay humble. <laughs> They're saying that the fighting with the parasite is going to be getting more interesting. Okay, well, that's that's fine. They're talking about Superboy and the, you know, this is where the, the panels, as I said earlier, you're getting such short answers that don't really give you much information kind of thing. Superboy is finding it hard being a clone. Supergirl is finding it hard being on Earth and Superman's just there. Well, okay. Hey, now, there was talk of, what, new costume for Superboy? Big news. Ooh, the new costume because <laughs> teenagers don't wear the same clothes every day. Make it, they make such a big whoop about costumes, it's unbelievable. It's just, it, it makes me laugh. Um, now, that being said, they're talking about, again, all of the issue zeros, which they made a big point in all the panels. They're talking about these, you know, issue zeros, because of course they saw the sales they got for issue ones. So they know issue zeros, there's going to be a lot of sales as well. And a lot of this is origin stuff that you either know, or they're just going to be mildly tweak. So the Superman, Superman zero, they're going to be going back to Jor-El and things like that. And knowing that it's the end of the world and what they're going to do. We've seen the story quite a few times, and yet, I'm still kind of interested to see what take they'll, they'll they'll what slant they'll put on this take kind of thing. So, it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm not expecting much. Sadly, that's the thing. I'm not expecting much, but I I will be picking it up, and I I'm I'm still looking forward to reading it. And I will definitely listen to what you have to say about <laughs> it. I think that might be as far as it goes with this one. Unfortunately. <laughs> Alrighty then. And then, of course, the Batman panel. So we've got all the news that is Batman, that is Batgirl, Batwoman, all the Bats people, and uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, which, oh, sorry, I, I just gave up on that a long time ago. Uh, and John Lehman was there, which can't wait till he takes over on uh, on Batman, that is going to be fantastic. Um, this here, it was interesting again. Once again, they're talking about uh, Talon and things like that. So what we're going to be expecting from that, I'm, I'm again, we're not, no need to keep going over that. They're talking about a nice long form story they're going to be doing for the Joker, which I, I'm looking forward to this again because, especially because they're saying that you know it's it's going to be. <sighs> The kind of like a, a killing joke, which of course, killing joke was so utterly phenomenal. So, this here, if they can play on that and different things, where you're getting not just a joker story where he's out to kill somebody or destroy somebody or whatever. No, this is a psychological story of the relationship between the joker and Batman and the joker's perceived relationship with Batman. And that's important. I'm really excited about that. And the way it sounds, again, he's doing all of this for Batman. Everything that's going to be behind that, I'm looking for so much depth. I have a feeling it's going to be it's going to be really exciting, really good. Yeah. So, it's it's one of those again where he's saying that um he has to be important to Batman. That's the way his brain works. He has to be. He's fine with being the 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 quote-unquote court gesture to Batman, but he has to be the one that is important. He's willing to be that, but he has to be important. And if that perceived, you know, relationship isn't as important, or if he feels like he's being neglected or ignored, there's going to be hell to pay. So 
again, I, I like the psychological aspect of what this story could be. And, and it won't be just, you know, a adventure romp, but it'll be a really like the killing joke, something that makes you think something that is, um, you know, tense, not because of the action, but because of the, you know, the, the meaning of what's going on and how they're thinking and things like that. I'm, and I'm hoping that it won't just be again, the Joker who's having these revelations, but also that it causes Bruce to think a little bit more of that relationship like he did in The Killing Joke. I mean, The Killing Joke had such an impact on Bruce in understanding that relationship between the two of them and how important they are to each other. So if they can go past that now and give us something new to chew on, then that'd be awesome. No, I really think so. I think that they're going to create a really great relationship in this comic book between the hero and the villain. And again, there's just... Joker can be so great. They have made yep. him into such a fantastic character. I'm really looking forward. Well, to he it. can be great or he can just be, you know, that that flimsy who cares <laughs> kind of character. It's when he is so dark and disturbing and and where you get to see the thought process behind that it's well done and engaging and of course Snyder can do that so this uh, this should be interesting okay that's pretty much it let's move past DC and just very quickly touch on IDW and the image panel uh, the IDW was talking about and this is awesome how the Shredder rose to power and how he came to the current day in Rise of the Foot Clan Yes, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> Vince and I have been so digging what's been going on with the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This whole, you know, coming back in different bodies and everything. This is going to be awesome, bar none. I think this is going to be great. And this is one of the, probably one of the only Shredder-based things that I will be really, really looking, looking at. forward it's to. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like it's going to be great. They've put a lot of thought into it. I think they're going in the right direction with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to be different about the character and not just that, you know, kind of quirky, silly villain that we've seen before at times. But no, give him some depth. Same as what we just said about the Joker. Give him some depth. Give him, give him something that just makes him awesome and something that we can have fun and really enjoy. And they can do that because of what's going on with the character. And then they were talking about the crow. And... This is awesome. It's going to be a spirit that can inhabit different people. And that's the writer John Shirley was saying. Um, with the current incarnation being an American boy in Japan, he has to go to, to quote unquote, he has to go to, to a Japanese Buddhist hell. In order, I love that. A Japanese Buddhist hell. I want to know what that looks like. <laughs> you know, are there burning monks who are meditating? Slowly making you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> there are so many conflicting images going through my head right now. I'm just having a hard time. So he has to go there to rescue his lost love. Okay, well, I'm hoping it doesn't get cheesy and all that. And they're also going to have a zombies versus robots novella for IDW, which sounds silly and fun. And I will be the first person in line. I wait. I will wait outside the shop for that one. Yep. I think it's it has potential. They have to build a new robot in a giant robot graveyard, which uses zombies as its fuel. It's biofueled with zombies. 
You know, they're thinking about the environment right now. Yeah, they are. They're spinning it in here. They're... There is a zombie apocalypse coming. So get working on fuel using them. It's exactly. thinking ahead is what it is. And I mean, with all the zombie movies and everything else going on in comics, we obviously see that. I mean, gasoline, right? I mean, There's... once it happens, it's going to run out. We've right. got to find a new... That's right. Zombie goop. That'll work. <laughs> That'll exactly. clog up the intestines. <laughs> God knows. There will be enough zombies out there. Yeah. Uh, image panel was interesting because we're seeing a lot more harder edge stuff, more serious stuff, too. we got big names, too, like, of course, Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, and Greg Rucka. And the question being if they are bored with doing superheroes. And so now they're doing a lot of this serious work with very deep, dark, and at some point just plain sexualized works. Uh, with image and it looks like they're going to have some fairly interesting series come out which once again if you're tired of the men and women in tights here's going to be some nice mystery and detective stories and things like that that for adults that they'll be able to appreciate a lot more and i really i really do enjoy this um i am a fan of a lot of the darker art and a lot of the themes, I find it really nice after reading a couple of your regular superhero comic books to be able to pick up yep. one of these and have something fresh, something new. Definitely. And of course, there was the big surprise also during the, the DC where Neil Gaiman is going to be returning with a Sandman prequel. So that is something that a lot of people are very much looking forward to. Now, I am not going to lie. I actually never read the original. Now, that came out, I believe it was in 88. And of course, that was after I had stopped reading comics. So I never actually picked it up. I will be picking it up. I will definitely read it. And I'm thinking that we may have a retro episode where we actually discuss it for the fans like myself who just never got around to reading it, which I know is a heinous crime because I've heard nothing but amazing things about that. So it is something that I, I'm looking forward to reading both that and this as well. Neil Gaiman is a fantastic writer. It was interesting. I saw him do a commencement speech for, I want to say Harvard not that long ago and he talked about his roots and things like that and he talked about talking to Stephen King who congratulated him on his work on Sandman and things like that so Gaiman has a lot of respect for comics and being able to tell stories in this medium so I'm, I'm very much interested in reading both of those so that would be cool I don't know if I should make any comments about that year and how old I was yeah, really. at the time but again, I've never read this. I've heard, uh, I've heard a couple of readings of it, and I think he actually yeah he did a little he bit. He read a piece from it as well, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, I'm I, I like I said, we will be reading it. Hell, we may do it while you're even pinch hitting for Vince. I'll give you something to read, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, moving away from the SDCC. SDCC in the what we've been reading segment, I was just going to touch on a couple of issues just to talk about the differences in terms of what's going on in comic books right now. So, of course, again, if you don't want spoilers for The Walking Dead 100, skip now, stop listening, whatever. But they made such a huge, huge deal about issue 100. And this is something that I talked about with Vince after it came out and I'd read it as well. And as Vince and I had been saying for a while now... The Walking Dead has lost a lot of steam. 
it has not been the same it has not been nearly as engaging it has been it's been essentially season two of the walking dead on tv where it's like get off the damn farm well this has just been there's been complacency and there's been things happening since carl got shot but nothing that was of importance or consequence even when some of the bigger characters got knocked off now you knew going into 100 that this had been planned that you know someone's going to bite it. I mean, it's just that plain and simple. They're ramping up and you also know that it's going to be someone important. You know that it's going to be something that it's going to shock you. The problem is, is that when you're reading that issue, and now again, I want to say, I have a lot of respect for what Kirkman can do as a writer. I've talked about prior issues of The Walking Dead and, and, and the series as a whole, and it's blown me away and I've enjoyed it immensely. However, as of late... I have not. And it has felt very much like he's just kind of running out of steam, even though he says he's not. But as a reader reading it, you do. What what I felt with this, though, is that the story wasn't dictating what should happen. The story wasn't dictating um, how the, 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 the pacing or who should get killed or different things like that. It felt contrived. It felt forced in a very very big way it felt like this is issue number 100 so we're gonna force the biggest baddest story biggest baddest event down your throat and you're gonna think it's awesome because not much else has happened for a little while and that's how it felt i was disappointed in issue 100 i was very disappointed in issue 100 not because of the death because again, I was expecting it. Not because of who died, because I was kind of expecting it would be him anyways. I was seriously expecting that for a variety of reasons. Because of the cast and because of going forward, ideas in my head of how he can proceed and different things like that. And even Kirkman said, like, it was planned for a while that it's going to it's, it was planned that it was going to be him, even though there's the eeny, miny, miny, mo in the story. No, no, it was planned that it's going to land on him. And so you know that, and you can feel that it's forced in that way. And I found it disappointing. It, it didn't shock me. I'm sorry, but a baseball bat to a head, no matter how many times it hits, and the brain explodes, and, you know, there's the, the necessary scene that he's not quite dead and calling for help, and... I was expecting it. It really was contrived and forced. And as an issue 100, I was so disappointed. So I was really looking for more. I mean, I still have that memory fresh in my mind when I started with the walking dead and how just in awe I was, everything was great. And it just, it flowed so well. You could go from one to the next. In fact, I think I read a handful one night and then fell asleep with the computer still on. Um, (laughs) However, I was really hoping for more and I got my hopes up, which I have to work on. I have to stop expecting so much, I feel. I feel as though, you know, it really did hit its peak. I hope that it can go a lot further, but I think maybe it does need something a little bit new. Yeah. So whereas early on in the series, there was that constant sense of, not knowing what was going to happen next. That constant, and that and that created a fear based on the context of 
the settings and the stories, of course. So not knowing if they're going to get eaten any day created this need to know mentality that I cannot wait until the next issue because I need to know what's going to happen because I don't, I can't foresee it. And so when you get to something like this, where it then feels so forced and contrived and following a script of this is the type of thing that would happen in this type of situation, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's so disappointing because it lost part of what made it incredible. And as a 100 issue, once again, not only was it forced, but Kirkman even said it was forced in terms of putting out an issue every three weeks for the last little while, just so that 100 could coincide with SDCC. Of course, because that's how you're going to get the maximum potential of exposure and sales and everything. So it just was force, force, force all the way through. And that's what I got from that. No, it's true. And I really did go from from worrying and caring about these characters to the point where I was waiting and hoping people were yeah, really? <laughs> knocked off. By the time 100, come, I, 100 came, I was waiting. I had a list of characters that, you know, I, I bet I had percentages set up. You know, I was really there hoping. There was a board. There was a board yeah. with some numbers. Three to one I, against Prick, you know. I lost a little bit of money. But, <laughs> I mean. but yeah, it could have been something else. It, it, it could have had... A return to that sense of wonderment, of of wondering what the hell is going to happen next, and and quite frankly, you know what, I, and and it still would have been somewhat cliched to knock Rick off, but I think issue one hundred would have been the perfect time to get rid of Rick, to get rid of several key characters and introduce new characters that we can care about. I mean, we've seen that with Michonne and with some other characters that you can really get behind new people here. And that's what we should see more of. I mean, look no further than the, the Walking Dead game from Telltale with the lead character, Lee. And I mean, here's someone that we didn't know going in at all. And only two episodes of the game in, we care so much about him. It's unbelievable. And that's because of the setting and the world that he created. So introduce someone new. Get, you know what? Seriously, get rid of Rick. His story, in my opinion, is long done. I think that the potential for Carl to be someone important later on is quite strong. I think that they can do that, but they could easily knock him off too. But they could do something with him. But I really think that I believe Rick should have been knocked off. Start fresh, somebody new. Yeah, he was on my board. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, the contrast to that is, and I mentioned it earlier, what's going on with Spider-Men right now? We are definitely going to be covering this in depth later on once this is done. However, I read issue number three of this, and at this point, Parker knows that he's in a different universe, knows that in his universe, he actually is dead. And the issue was handled so beautifully. And it wasn't about setting up huge moments and, and big things of somebody's head getting caved in. And, and you know, just, just stupidity. It was just the most touching moments are just a few panels. And it's led into simply. And when you see him arrive at Aunt May's house and he's in costume... And May and Gwen are screaming at him, like, how dare you be so insensitive? And he takes the mask off and you see that it's 
It's a Peter Parker, but an older one. And the shock from Man Gwen and Parker dying, or not dying, sorry, um, crying. Because, I mean, he knows that in this universe, May thinks he's dead. So it, it, it must be driving her nuts. But not just that. Gwen's there. His first love that died so long ago and she's there as he remembers her within reason of course as he remembers her in that age group when she was still young kind of thing there's i oh my god so much that can be done with this now going forward with those issues as well it just was such a poignant issue it was just so bloody well written the character interactions were phenomenal the interactions between him and morales were fantastic it just was so good and it didn't have to be a issue number zero issue number one issue number 100 no it was just issue number three of spider-man and it was one of the best issues i've read in such a long time of a comic book i was floored and that's that's really what I look for in Spider-Man now. I find it's one of the few comics where I'm not patiently waiting for the next one. I am <laughs> just, you know, counting down the seconds and the hours and the days until I can get my hands on a new one. It's I find they're well written, they're well drawn, and there's a lot of character progression that's always happening. Exactly. And I mean, he's gone through a lot. So, I mean, they're, they're limited in terms of just what they can do with the character and whatnot. And yet then they, they bring out this kind of story arc that just floors you. Absolutely floors you. And not just that, but because we've had a little bit of time now to get used to Miles Morales and care for this kid because he's a great kid. I mean, he's up against a lot of stuff here. Like we talked about uh, last week or the week before Vince and I. So, I mean, it's really quite cool what they're doing with that. But when you're reading this, you're not just reading the story of Peter Parker there. You're also caring very much about what's going on with Miles. And we haven't seen quite enough of that. I'm hoping more of that will come through in upcoming issues kind of thing. But uh, but it's been handled so well that I have faith that it will be later on as well. That the, that the two story arcs there going on, the, the two characters, I should say, are going to get, you know, equal screen time and, and that you'll care for what's going on there because at the time there's a lot going on right now with Miles Morales as well in coming up against freaking the original the real Spider-Man so there's going to be a lot of interaction there that I'm looking forward to no I really am too so so with that we're actually going to call it a wrap we're not going to bother with what came out this week because we're quite a few days late but we'll be back to our normal time on Wednesday next week and like I said next week we are going to be tackling Daredevil 1 to 15, we're going to give our thoughts, whether good or bad, be honest as always with what we think about it. I'm very much looking forward to that discussion. I've already got some plans for some future discussions on some other series as well that I cannot wait to talk about. We're not quite sure how long Sarah's going to be joining us, like I said, but I'm hoping it's going to be for a little while. Not because I'm hoping uh, Vince is gone, but because it'll be nice to have a, a new co-host here and make the best of it. And I'm just hoping that things do settle down for Vince with the family illness. And like I said, if you want to show your support, send him an email, Vince at comicbookinformer.com. So with that, I'll wrap it up. Like I said, you can find the show notes at comicbookinformer.com. We are on Twitter at CB Informer. And if you want to send an email, you can send it to me as well at Roger at comicbookinformer.com. We'll talk to you guys next week on Wednesday. <laughs>